All right. Thank you. Good morning. Um, we'll be in Reve uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 11 today, particularly focusing on verses 12 and 15. And the overall subject matter is the Jewish people, uh, ethnically Jews, um, and the nation of Israel and what has become of them in the first century. And as Paul works that out, starting really at the end of verse uh, of chapter 10, and then moving into 11, chapter 11, where he speaks of the conversion of Israel someday um, in widespread numbers, seemingly. So you have um, expressions like removing ungodliness from Jacob and all Israel will be saved um, and so forth. There's debates on what those things mean, but generally speaking, the, uh, the idea uh, that was common amongst the Puritans, and I would recommend to you a book called Puritan Hope by Ian Murray, if, you've, uh, if you don't have that book or have not read that, but it, uh, it speaks of this conversion of the, the Jews and the effect that will, will have on the Gentiles. And uh, so it's very much uh, applying to this issue of revival that we're looking for and asking for and worldwide revival, uh, not just a local visitation. So, um, you know, in verse 10, Paul, excuse me, in chapter 10, at the very end, um, Paul uh, speaks of, uh, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation, by a nation without understanding will I anger you. He's quoting Old Testament passage there and speaking of making the Jews jealous by the conversion of the Gentiles. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, all the day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And then you go into chapter 11, I, verse 1, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Then he speaks of Elijah and how Elijah thought he was the only one left. And the Lord told him that there were 7,000 that he had uh, reserved to himself. There was a remnant according to God's gracious choice and election. And he then says, that's the way it is now. Speaking in the first century, there's a remnant uh, that is saved of Jewish people uh, according to God's gracious choice. And then um, <clears throat> he goes down into verse eight. And God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not down to this very day uh, that they've been hardened. Uh, but David's and David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs forever. <clears throat> Just a word about hardening. Um, hardening is one of those things, you know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And it speaks here uh, in verse uh, seven of the Jews being hardened um, to be hardened <clears throat> really is. Uh, not where God goes in and puts sin in a human heart in order to make someone reject the truth, but simply that God lead, leaves people in their um, sin-loving condition, and he brings truth and sort of pressure to bear upon them. So uh, when God hardened Pharaoh's heart, really all he had to do is send Moses, whom Pharaoh would despise, and send him and command him to do something. Uh, let my people go. 
And when you take um, a world power leader, uh, top dog, king of the world, so to speak, you're, you're dealing with a very arrogant man who nobody tells him what to do. And all that it takes to harden someone is simply tell them what to do, command them, <clears throat> in that case, to let his people go. And all it takes to harden the Jews is to send Jesus down in their midst, God in human flesh. And if they hate God, the, the vast majority of them did, and have God in human flesh walking amongst them, then they who hate God will naturally be hardened by the presence of God in their midst. Um, it's not that he's doing anything wrong, that Jesus is, or that he's making them sin or making them have this response. It's just the natural man's response to God's um, presence and God's truth. And so then we come to these verses that, that is the focus here for today and that applies to revival. Starting in verse 11, I say then they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. You know, that is a permanent fall, permanent rejection. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. So their transgression is the rejection of Jesus. And that rejection turned out to be a really good thing for the Gentiles um, because salvation came to the Gentiles through Jewish rejection. Verse 12. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world, that is the world Gentiles, and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? So the argument is, is that the rejection of the Jews in their sin, their rejection of the Lord, resulted in wonderful things for the Gentiles, riches for the world. And if that's the case, then how much more will their fulfillment be? Now, the fulfillment there would be in contrast there's a parallelism in the verse there. It's in contrast to the transgression of the Jews. Now we're talking about their fulfillment, meaning their salvation, their conversion. And the effect that will have it on the, on the Gentiles is even more blessing and riches. So their transgression is riches for the world. There's this sort of um, stimulus response effect between Jews and Gentiles, such that when Jews are rejected, Gentiles are blessed. And Paul's argument is, if their failure is riches for the world, how much more will their fulfillment be of the day when they are saved, the day when God works in their midst and pours out his spirit upon them? What a, what a greater day that will be of riches for the Gentiles. It won't mean the end of the Gentiles' blessing. It will mean an increase and a magnification of their blessings. Verse 13, but I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy, my fellow countrymen and save some of them. And then here in verse 15 is very similar to verse 12. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So that life from the dead, that's, that's uh, uh, we use the word revival to refer to as life from the dead. And again, it's that same parallelism, that same you know, sort of symbiotic connection between the Jews and Gentiles and how what God does with the one uh, has an effect upon the other. And their rejection meant the reconciliation of the world, meaning the gospel then went out to the nations. And uh, ever since then, for the last 2000 years, uh, Gentiles have been added into the kingdom 
such that we couldn't possibly count the number of them today. And so it has resulted in great, great blessing. But then there's going to come a time of their acceptance where the, harden, the days of hardening are over and the days of rejecting the Messiah are over. Their acceptance. And what will that be but life from the dead? Not just life from the dead for them, but life from the dead with respect to the Gentiles, since that is the parallel that is, is being set up here. So this is a, a thing that I, I think we should make as a uh, prayer for the, the Jewish people and be praying uh, for them. They are not just in the land of Israel. They are um, throughout the world. Um, there's a large percentage of Jewish people in New York. There's a large percentage in Houston. There's a large percentage in Florida and uh, in various places in the world. But that, that God would bring about that day and, and work on them so that that day where they will be grafted back in, as you, you know, read on down through the rest of the passage, the branches who were cut off would be grafted back in, that they no longer continue in their unbelief, <clears throat> that God would remove and take away their sins, and um, that all Israel would be saved. Um, and that this very much uh, relevant to us in, in asking for revival, if we want the Lord to work in revival and throughout his spirit in a mighty way upon the world, then it would appear that the salvation of the Jews is intimately connected with that. Um, just as a, as a plug, there is a uh, organization called Christian Witness to Israel. That's the, the name for it now. Um, it was started by Robert Murray McShane in the 1800s as a, I forget the long title that he had for it, but uh, there's a, a a ministry set up to evangelize the Jewish people. And um, it is now uh, Christian Witness to Israel. And uh, we have them come once uh, a year and, and visit uh, our church and report on the ministry. And, and it's a way to support missionaries who are actively trying to reach Jewish people. So.